0: We live in a beautiful, beautiful place, and uh, God did a good job when he built this part, and uh, we're just, we've been in a series, this is our sixth week, in a series of sermons called Love 906, and we've just been taking some of the stuff we see around us and using it to help us understand some stuff that that we don't know. Um, The way Jesus did all the time with parables. He took stuff people knew and said, hey, I want to tell you about stuff you don't know. And so we started this series talking about just at that toll booth as you come into the Upper Peninsula, the kindness that making a difference there and how kindness makes a huge difference in our world and how God's kindness leads us to repentance. Then we talked about the locks and how there's these transition times in life where God is bringing us maybe to a new level. And we have to be patient. Then we talked about perseverance. We talked about my favorite tree. How there's that tree in, in Sherman Park that would not give up after being bent. And then we talked about um, some sobering statistics. The divorce statistics in Chippewa County, which are representative of all of the Upper Peninsula for sure. And we talked about healthy marriages. Then last week we talked about taking courage. Getting out of the boat not being afraid. We, we use the Mackinac Bridge and the fear that it inspires or inspires or perspires in people. Um, and how we, if, if we can trust somebody who built the Mackinac Bridge 62 years ago, maybe we could trust our creator now. Well, today I want to tell you about my favorite building. Um, so sorry if this is stuff that I like, but I'm the one who preaches, who's preaching, so it, it shouldn't be Um, too strange. My favorite building is the hydroelectric dam at the end of the uh, power canal. Favorite building in the world. I mean, Jill's like, what are we doing? Oh, I just want to go drive and look at my building. Um, You know, in 1902, they finished this building. And since then, it's been generating power. It was used by uh, Union Carbide for for a while. And now it uh, powers a large percentage of the homes in the Eastern Upper Peninsula and the industry, of this area. And I think I fell in love with it because um, when I was little, I had an uncle who worked there and got and got like a not engineer's day sort of tour of the building. And I was just like, "Look oh, how big. And, you know, just huge. The rocks and the steel and these, these big humming, loud turbines that are, that are there. Turbines, I guess you could say. I don't know which is the right pronunciation. But just, it just brought out in me, I didn't even know it at that time, but like the Tim Allen, like, oh, oh, you know, like it just like powerful sort of thing. So it's a quarter mile long when it was built, to, you know, it's second largest um, behind Niagara Falls and just a, a huge uh, place that harnesses the powerful energy of, of Lake Superior going down um, through, the, through the falls there and just, just pretty pretty cool thing. 102, or not 102 years ago, it was built in 1902, so 117 years it's been there. 117 years. I hardly, I, I, I find it hard to believe that much of what we build nowadays is going to last as long as something like that. Those guys put down a deep foundation. I think it's in uh, the Wicked Sister. I go there for burgers, not the bar. Um, but they have some amazing pictures right, of, of of the construction of that. These guys who went down deep, as I've read it, the Italian stonemasons who made this building that they're expecting to last at least another half century if we would take care of it. 112 years. Is there anything that you're doing that's going to last that long? Charles Spurgeon asked the question, am I making a difference, or am I just writing my life like as in the snow? Will the things I do endure the lapse of the years and the times of change, the things I do? Do you know your grandpa's first name? Do you know your grandpa's grandpa's first name? Some of you are nodding your heads. You're like, I was ready in genealogy class. I did this study, you know, or, or you've just been, you know, maybe had some longevity in your family, but your grandpa's grandpa, most of you probably don't know their name. You might guess at their last name if it's your dad's dad, but think, not is my name going to last, but is there a legacy that's going to make a difference? We're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this morning, and a. Paul is talking about having laid a foundation. He's the one who started a church in a place called Corinth. He had been there for a year and a half, and he talks about laying a foundation there. He actually used, he kind of switches from saying, I planted your church. Apollos, the following pastor, watered that seed, but God made it grow. And then he switches. He says, you're, you're God's field, You're God's building. And so he switches into using this architectural, this material sort of language that helps us get our minds around some of the spiritual stuff. You know, there's nothing more important about you than your soul. And so to use raw material, to use stuff, is is something that Jesus does, something that Paul does, that helps us get a grip on some of the stuff that is so essential to our life. But not necessarily do we always have the right words for it. And so we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. We read, Because of God's grace to me, I laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, a fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys that temple, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So Paul has been an instrumental part of God starting a movement in the city of Corinth. He's gone there carrying the message of Jesus Christ. And there is now a church established. There is this move of God. And people who have studied great movements of God have found that these things happen when the founders really know Jesus. I mean, really, really know Jesus. But the movements die when the followers only know the founder. Not the foundation. And this is a challenge to us, right? Like, one of the things I don't like about our church is the name. Like, Sue Wesley and Wesley, what, what does that even mean, right? Like, unless you're a history buff or have grown up around it, you might have an idea about the style of history, but there was actually a guy named John Wesley who was a Christian and didn't really want to start a denomination, but ended up accidentally starting the Methodist Church. And then they started to go funky, so some people said, well, we're going back to the founder. We'll be a Wesleyan church. It's kind of a dorky name, really, but it's in rock, and so we just deal with it, right? It's not the most important thing that we do, but we need to follow the example of Christ. Now, others have gone that way, and yeah, there's been some good guys throughout history. But have we lost the foundation? Paul says, I planted this church, Apollos watered it, but God's the one who gave the increase. So who cares about the founders' names? Care about the foundation. You know, in 1926, this church started, this congregation in Sault Ste. Marie. And some of you would be um, surprised to learn you can still start new churches. And that's some of what I want to share with you this morning, something we're thrilled about as the leadership of this church that we're um, scared about, honestly. A little, not not uh, afraid in, in any sort of non-courageous way, but kind of in a, oh, that's going to be hard sort of way. That God would be calling us not just to add to our church, but that he wants to multiply. And so Paul, we got to look at the scripture here because this isn't some invention of man. We read here the grace God gives. He lays the foundation, Paul does, as an expert builder. He doesn't, he might have a pride issue or something, calling himself an expert builder. But as the grace of God has given it to him, he says, Hey, we laid a foundation, Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen the foundation on our building that we're in? Me neither. But if it was a mess, this building would be in shambles. The foundation is that unseen stuff. Remember, some of you will, a few weeks ago we talked about that, that shipbuilder who spent all of his time working on stuff that people could see above the waterline but didn't spend any time putting some weight below the waterline. Didn't spend any time putting the quality stuff there. And the boat sank. So we're called to be careful how we build our lives. One of the most classic examples that most everybody knows is about a tower, a bell tower in in Italy that was built next to a church. It's called the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Well, when they first started building it, they didn't have that leaning part. That wasn't the plan. And if you look back, I mean it was it was very clear Early on, that this thing was going to start tilting. They're two stories up building this bell tower in Pisa, Italy, and they realize it's crooked. But idiots with a lot of money keep pushing on. It's summarizing some history, but they do. They keep pushing on, and pretty soon they build this tower that keeps leaning and leaning and leaning and leaning until the uh, late 80s early 90s they said this thing's going to fall over and they actually some some nearby buildings that they thought would be hit by the rubble if this thing fell they evacuated and they called in from around the world people who could help straighten out the leaning tower of pisa because the foundation was no good and so it's interesting, you can look at some pictures online, they put lead weights on the high side to help bring it back, but what they had to do was go in and straighten out the foundation. Kind of a small piece of trivia is, they didn't want them to fix it too much, because nobody wants to go see a tower in Pisa, they want to go see a leaning tower in Pisa that you can like, do one of these selfies next to, like you're holding the thing up, like it's falling on you. And so we get that with tourism, right? The unseen stuff, though, matters. Paul says, no one can lay any foundation for any church, for any life. There is no rock other than Jesus Christ. It says, this is where you build. That's what a foundation does. It doesn't say, oh, we're going to build out there outside of the foundation. No, it says, these are the boundaries. So who is Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus asks his disciples that question. Who do the people say I am? He asks them two questions. First is, who does everybody say I am? In Matthew chapter 16, who do they say I am? It's a good question. So they replied, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or the prophets. It's kind of like family feud, right? Like the number one answer is, we think you're John the Baptist rose from the dead. No. Others think Elijah, others think Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, these mega preacher prophets sort of guys. But Jesus gets the question narrowed down. He says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? You know, the most important question isn't who do other people think Jesus is? Who does your spouse think he is? Who does your mom and dad or your girlfriend? Most important question is who do you say He is. Not just what, you can debate about what other people believe about God, but what matters is what you believe. And so Simon Peter, who walked on the water, pipes up. He says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And like on Family Feud, good answer, good answer, let's see, right? You know, like what's Jesus going to say to this? Everybody else thinks this, but Peter says, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, the chosen one, you're the son of the living God. This is one of those key verses of the Bible that actually distinguishes denominations and, and has a lot to do with some of the factions you would see in the church. Faction, a nice way would be to say denominations, but unfortunately it's more like we're a factitious sort of bunch, unfortunately many of us who focus more on the religion than the relationship with God. But this is, this is one of those key verses that, that how you interpret this would, you know, would, in some ways separates Protestants and Catholics. Well, so Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Right answer, I am that. He says, this was not revealed to you by any man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Some of you know that what I'm going to share with you next. This was not originally written in English, so we miss one of the nuances here. He's giving Simon Peter, we already hear his name, he's giving him a new name. Peter is, is Petros, which means small stone or pebble. So he says, your name is Petros. And on this Petra, I will build my church. On this rock or on this boulder, I will build my church. And so some people would read this, that Peter, you know, is now the Pope of the church, right? He is the one that the church is going to be built on. But if you understand what Jesus is saying here, in the original Greek, he's saying, you're a small stone, but this rock, what you have just said, that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, That's the boulder, and this is not just supplied by an interesting Greek reading of, of Matthew 16. This is throughout the New Testament, where Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church, and the apostles and prophets are other stones in this thing that rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And so just like Peter, we are small stones, little pebbles. Not just, I don't say we as in, pastors and professional ministry people but every one of you is a piece that is built up and so he says you're peter you're a little rock and on this boulder this confession that jesus is the christ the son of the living god i'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it i am really happy to be a part of something like that That the gates of hell don't just have a small chance of overcoming. They have no chance of overcoming the church. Even with all of the mess-ups and and factions of the church and the stupid stuff we have done in history, the gates of hell still do not overcome the church. And so it's not just missionaries and, and church planters and pastors Jesus builds the church through little people like us, little pebbles. And so verse 12 reminds us to build well on Jesus Christ. Mention some some gold and silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. Each of these getting kind of more common than, than the last, right? Gold is something that you would have to refine and mine and just amazing amount of... Uh, trouble to get gold, especially in the ancient world, but even still today. And then silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, all the more common. What do you build in your life with? Stuff that's easy or stuff that's maybe going to take some difficulty in putting together in mining? Are we just living with what's easy? This uh, passage of scripture inspired one of the great uh, pieces of literature of all time. It's called the Three Little Pigs. I'm hearing enough laughs to know that I don't have to tell the story, right? I've I've been in contexts where people do not know the story of the Three Little Pigs. This is uh, one of the terrible problems uh, in some places of the world. They don't know this great piece of literature. Um, according to the Shrek Shrek movies, they had German accents, the little pigs, but that's really not important. Um, There's that first pig that was lazy, built its house out of hay or straw. The second pig that built its house out of uh, sticks, wood, and the third that took some time built a house out of bricks. And they huffed and they puffed and two houses fell, but one didn't because it was built out of stuff that had some weight. Is your life built out of something that's going to last? Are you building your life... Like, I want this to handle the storms. Or are you building it like, well, it's just a chicken coop. Just a house of sticks. Is your life a shack or is it something that you say, you know what, I'm being careful. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, he says it in Matthew as well. He says, I'll show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice. It's like one who builds his house who digs deep, lays the foundations on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it, because it was well built. But the one who hears my words, Jesus says, and does not put them into practice is like one who builds their house on ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent strikes the house, it collapses And its destruction is complete. There is a difference between being a wise builder and being a foolish builder. Difference is obedience. Not just hearing the word. You can come to church and hear the Bible, right? But the wise are those who build their lives out of substance. The foolish are superficial both start with an s you should write them down the wise build uh, lives of substance the foolish build superficial lives just everybody look at me look what i've done you know what's easier to do is start building the stuff above the foundation the foundations where there's some trouble and building out of you know building a, a hay fort or something like that probably do it in a day but what's gonna last because storms come, in, in 1 Corinthians words, fire comes on the day, judgment day. There's a fire coming. Is what you've built going to survive or is it just, uh, it's just sticks, it's just hay, it's, it's pretty flammable. Torrents come, floods come. And some of us pray, when rain comes, we pray, God put an umbrella over me. Not the worst prayer, but you know what would be better is to begin to think and pray foundationally. And say, you know what? If we do something new, God's just going to have to show up and he's going to have to do something powerful. Not just to protect us, but we're going to have to be built on him. And so we need to quit thinking and praying umbrella prayers and start praying foundational prayers. Back to First Corinthians chapter three, verse fourteen, if we what's built survived, we'll receive our reward. If it's burned up, we'll suffer lost. This, this passage is kind of strange, but it almost sounds like there will be people who barely get to heaven, who get barely out of hell, like like as one's escaping through a wall of flames. That sounds terrifying. Do you barely want to get into heaven? Okay, probably the answer is no, I want to definitely get in. But does your life look that way? If you said like Joshua said, choose for yourselves this day who you're going to serve, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. A decision like that is difficult, but will make all the difference in your life. What's, what's sad is there seems to be, at some point in this church and in a lot of churches, there has been a thought that I could just come to church and live however I want the rest of the week, and then I'll come back. I don't know that churchgoers go to heaven, I think Christians do. And I think Christians are disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus said to go and make disciples of all the nations. He didn't say go and make churchgoers. Go and get people in a building once a week. He said go and make disciples. He didn't say go and make friends even. I, I didn't get into ministry to make friends. I got into ministry because God called me into ministry. I would rather do some other things. <laughs> Because, you know, being an ice cream man would make me friends. <laughs> being a pastor, it doesn't, it, it doesn't succeed at that all the time. And being disciples of Jesus Christ is what we're called to be. If you are not, Francis Chan said it this way if you are not a missionary as a Christian, you are an imposter. The, the strength of our church is not, wow, how nice is the building. It is how many of us can actually share the gospel of Jesus Christ? How many of us are living for him, not just in an 70 minutes? The last service went 75, so buckle up. Um, it's, it's not just about that. Can we endure the preaching or not? It's about can you share the good news of Jesus Christ? Has it so powerfully changed you that you're following him and building your life on him? Not not just falling away from what it's all about. I don't want to barely make it to heaven. I don't want to be a pastor of a church with people who are just barely making it to heaven. Verse 16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. 1 Corinthians 6.19, he uses the same language. He says, don't you know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, who you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You know, my mom used to use these verses to tell me to not do drugs. I think she missed some of the context, Right? He's not talking about drugs here. There's other places in the Bible. Like, Surgeon General tells you, don't do that stuff, right? Like, that that's no good. This is talking about together, God lives in us. Oh, I'm only preaching about 10% of this passage, I tell you. There's about 90% of this that you gotta, you gotta go back and look a little deeper. You, t- yourselves, together, are that temple. And there are churches that are not built on the strong foundation of Jesus Christ. They're built... On talents, not anointing. They're built on programs rather than principles of the gospel, of the truth. They're built on personalities or popularity. And Paul goes through the end of this chapter talking about how cleverness is not going to suffice. Having the right name, people, doesn't matter who your temporary pastor is. One of the things, so we feel as leaders of this church, that God's calling us to multiply, to plant to start a new church with with many of you going to make disciples and maybe you'll miss some friends but that's not the mission to make friends it's to make disciples but the thing is we can't start another church with an unhealthy church we're thrilled God has, has made clear to us some of the, the place that he would want us to go serve in the, in the upper peninsula to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to live there as a church, not just be there on Sunday morning. You know, people who are hungover this morning, they were not going to make it to church. They just weren't. We, they need a church who's there 24-7. Anyway, they celebrate together on Sunday? Sure. But I, my concern is, do we have a healthy church here? That's not something I can graph in Excel. I love Excel spreadsheets. Can't do it with this. Can you share the gospel? Has the gospel been shared with you? And if you've just joined us today for church, um, I'm a little, uh, I'm sorry, I'm coming across angry. I'm just happy, excited, um, and kind of my default is to yell. So um, <laughs> that's that's how I share the emotion. But um if you're just trying to figure out something about Jesus, that's, that's cool. We're, we're here for you. Some of you have been in church way too long, and you, the gospel hasn't been in you. And we've got to go share the good news with people who are not here, and it's going to take a lot of faith. You know, two-thirds of our community, the Census Bureau would say, does not, um, they don't have a place, they don't worship regularly anywhere. Two out of three. I've heard this, the statistic that nationally, if everybody wanted to come to church, there's no chance they could all fit in a building that we call the church. And so we want to start a a new church. And yes, you can do that. Some people are like, can you do that? Yes, yes, you can. Um, But also there's the thought, well, there's already a lot of churches there. Well, some of you are in the Coast Guard, so you get this. But like, if you were a lifeguard, you were out there to save people. You felt like God had called you to save people. And two out of three people are drowning. You wouldn't go, well, there's already a life-saving station there. You would go and start saving some lives. I've been a part of trying to change some of those life-saving stations around, and it only takes seven years. But in the meanwhile, people die and go to hell. And so I'm not saying we don't do that, but we feel called as a church. We feel called that God's saying we gotta lay on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He laid a foundation with his own body so there could be a church. So specifically, we're doing a prayer night next Monday night. This won't be the one and only, but um, 6.30 to 8 p.m., calling it the 9.06 prayer night. And I know God's calling some of you to be a part of a new work. Um, And you're terrified about that. That's okay. How will you know if you're called? Some of you already know. Others of you, you'll know in two days because you haven't forgotten this. Or in two weeks, you go, I got to check that out in two months. You say, God's just laid something up. that." A call is an exciting thing. Most wonderful call we share is to build our life on him. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 we read, We're no longer foreigners or aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become the holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Crazy thing is God wants to live inside of you. It's, it's awesome. It's it's glorious. And some of you are living in that life now, but some of you have just tasted and you go, oh, that seems good. But you haven't responded to the kindness of God. Or maybe, you know, at some time you were you were hurt and I don't like the church. Well, Jesus died for the church. So what he values, we should value. You probably don't like some people <laughs> who were really mean and forgot to do things or were actively hurting and they called themselves church people. God knows who are his. There's a day coming when his fire will test. But we're called to build now. And so I want to end our service with a time where we would commit to the Lord, where we would sing through song. Song has a powerful way of sticking with us. And so, Kristen, if you'd come and lead us in a song. We're excited about what God has ahead for this church. We're excited about what he has ahead for the community, the lost, who... Who need Him? So uh, I'm going to pray as we before we sing. God, um, your name is great and awesome, and needs to be shared, and not just with a billboard or a website or a social media campaign or with some amazing name in lights or some program that dazzles. Father, your name needs to be shared as somebody drives a dump truck, teaches a class, nurses a patient, prays over their kids and raises the next generation. God, we want your name to go out through those means. That's when, not just when we bring people to church, but when we bring the church to people, God, that's when you change lives. And so, Father, we... We can't do it in the natural. We, we've got strategies and stuff that are that are cute, but we need a mighty move of your Spirit in our church today. We need a healthy church, Father, because you're calling us to to grow, to multiply. And Father, we don't want to multiply what is unhealthy. We want to see richness multiplied in in the lives, the depth of. Relationship with you, Father. We want to see that grow in our community. So God, thanks for people who are getting on board, who are joining together to become a holy temple together in the Lord. Help us to do things that really last, really matter. Give us eyes to see the stuff that is just the hay, just the wood, just the straw, the stuff that will burn up. So Lord, we sing this song in response to you you are awesome, we are blessed. You are the savior, we are the saved. We were blind and you opened our eyes. So we sing to you in response to how awesome you are. Amen.